Welcome to the Crafting Creatives Podcast, where imagination and reality collide. Here is your host, Jason Wright. Don't ask me anything tough. Okay, no tough questions. Yeah. All right, cool. Got it. Where's the... Uh, we're missing Randall. We'll get rolling here. So uh, first, uh, welcome, uh, everybody. I really appreciate you guys coming down. And uh, I want to thank all of you guys for joining us. And um, yeah, David, would you mind turning? I got it. Wow, you're. I'm on it. You guys in technology, you're so smart. That's what I was hearing. Um, but no, I appreciate you guys uh, coming out, and spending your time. Yeah. Uh, to to chat with us and chat with some people in the community about uh, video and what you do and helping them integrate it into their marketing strategy. So thank you very much. Of course. Um, and Facebook Live, if anyone's there, hi. Um, I want to give you guys a quick overview. Some of you guys have been here before. Uh, some of you guys, I think this is your first time. Um, Digital Marketing Quarterly is just, uh, we wanted to, so I'm a past president of SEMPDX, which is a nonprofit over in Portland. It's one of the first digital marketing uh, nonprofits set up to support the digital marketing community. Uh, and that's been a blessing for me and my career and really kind of being involved in the community and learning and being active. We put on monthly events. We have one coming up here actually September 11th uh, at the Bridgeport Group Hub over in Portland. Uh, it's going to be on conversion rate optimization, so check that out. We do our, yeah. big, our big annual conference. Uh, we do in March of every year, usually at the Sentinel Hotel. Um, so, But I realized as I, we're doing that, we're putting on all these great events that we didn't really have a lot in Vancouver. And so I said, you know, let's, let's do something in Vancouver. And so we just kind of started and said, let's do it quarterly. Let's bring in some great uh, local, talented people. So we're always looking for people that want to come in and talk on different uh, topics and things like that. So if you know of anybody that has, is really specialized or has certain areas of expertise that they want to share, send them our way. We, we have uh, other, you know, obviously other agencies, other groups come in and speak on all different topics. And we've had some pretty amazing speakers uh, come in that are from the top of the world, which is just crazy to me. Um, so uh, besides the uh, CRO event, we do have, uh, I'll be speaking at the Vancouver Chamber of Commerce on September 4th. On, it'll be really about kind of integrating digital marketing into your overall calendar for the year, how to use holidays, national days, seasons, and things like that to your benefit. And then uh, if anybody wants to travel to Bend, I'll be speaking at Swivel and Bend as well. Are there any other events coming up uh, that you guys have or that you guys have that you want to share while we're here? Things in the community, or, or can I ask a question about yeah. the nonprofit? Yeah, of course. What is what is the the reason? It's it sounds really cool because, mm -hmm. but what is the need for creating a nonprofit for digital marketing? Yeah. Like, it, it's a great question. Yeah. So, um, what happens to a lot of people in the digital marketing community is they kind of feel in a silo. Uh, that's the way I felt when I started my business, and it was just me kind of mm -hmm. going out there. And I really need some community. I wanted to bounce a lot of the ideas off that I had off of other people. And so initially, it was to really kind of validate some ideas, be connected with other people. But then as I, I got into it more, I learned that um, we have to always be educating ourselves. And so it's really about providing education and support and then networking opportunities uh, for people in the community. So whether it be uh, looking for a job or looking to hire someone or just kind of building your, your network of like-minded people, right? And finding some, some of my longtime friendships that came from that grip. So it's just similar like-minded people getting together to uh, further the um, digital marketing space. Love it. Yeah. 
It's awesome. Thanks. You should definitely come down. We need more we need more video uh, folks down there, too. Awesome. Okay. So, yeah. We want to actually get more design, more video folks, because it has been long looked as as mainly an SEO, SEM type group, but we're really content strategy, social media, video, it's all integrated, uh, you know, so. What's the name of the group? S-E-M-P-D-X. S-E-M-P-D-X. We just had our summer networking party at Pioneer Place, Pioneer Courthouse Square last week. Yeah. So, fun event. So, I'm going to get started. I want to go ahead and introduce our uh, speakers, and then um, we'll start off with questions and from the group, as well as uh, I have some uh, questions for you guys as well. So, uh, first I want to introduce Ryan Harder. Uh, Ryan Harder uh, with Harder Creative. He's a Vancouver, Washington filmmaker. Ryan uses commercial video production to help his clients uh, communicate big ideas quickly and clearly. Very succinct. I like that. Uh, Casey Evans, uh, Casey Evans Media. Casey Evans is the owner and operator of Casey Evans Media. He cut his uh, film teeth on Super 8 as a kid. Pretty cool. Making shoestring narratives with his little brother, he got serious about production during the first digital video revolution in the late 90s and hasn't looked back. He specializes in short format, informational, and creative promotional videos. He typically collaborates with businesses, municipalities, and nonprofits uh, north of the Columbia but operates region wide. His latest project is a product roll out for Corwin Beverage. Cool. Thanks, Casey. And then Jason Wright. Jason Wright is the uh, chief creative officer here at Web4. Uh, his video experience has come from years of developing independent films, uh, being a YouTuber, and helping uh, hundreds of clients market their media assets. He is insanely knowledgeable and talented, uh, and while process and system development come as second nature for Jason, his ultimate goal is to deliver a great experience for our clients. When not at work, Jason produces the Crafting Creative Podcasts. He also develops independent film projects, hikes, and finds some time to birdwatch. Yeah. This guy, like, yeah, yeah. Don't you have a podcast? <laughs> no. I I had one at one time. Had one. I've okay. experimented with yeah. with nice. it. Yeah. How do you know? Okay, we'll talk later. Potential <laughs> mutual friend. Jason knows everything. So real quick, um, anybody anybody building a business brand? If you can say, I'm going to ask business and personal. So I'll start with business. Who's focusing on business brand? One, two, three, both. Three. Okay. And then personal brand. Raise your hand if you're more personal brand. All right, with that, um, I want to get started with a question. I'll pass off to you guys, so get the uh, brain cap thinking there. And then, um, so we've all heard of stories of, of people working in creative and tech who can be difficult to work with, for whatever reason. <laughs> if, if I'm coming to you, how can I be sure, or like if I'm working with someone, how can I be sure the production person I'm meeting with is a good fit before I invest too much time and money in that process? And feel free to just... This is kind of Johnny on the spot, whoever wants to jump in. Hmm. So you basically, like, how do you figure out if the person's a pain in the ass or not how do you before find starting out, with them? How do you find out if they're a good fit and yeah, you know what yeah. you're talking about when you don't know what you're talking about? Yeah. Right? And yeah, uh, and it's, it's kind of about how, if, if they're easy to work with or not. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I can speak to what we do, and um, we have a scope of work contract that we have people sign that's that's when they've said like yeah i'm ready to pull the trigger let's make a video we're going to pay you to do it uh, and that outlines a lot of expectations and becomes a place of discussion where we say like hey they're reading the thing and they're like i don't like that part and then we that's where we work out the kinks um but beforehand i think i think one of the first things 
that should be done is like click around and watch their videos. The great thing about if it's a video company or, or filmmaker that you're hiring is that it's a very tangible thing. Like I don't envy those of you who do marketing. It's like a little more difficult to explain and show the past work, yeah. but you can do it. But like it, it, you first go like, okay, I like their videos and I think they can make videos. And even ask them like, can you show me a video that's kind of like the one I need? That's a good question too, because they might be able to dig up something from the past and and send it to you, and then you know, like, oh, okay, they've done a nonprofit video before, or whatever kind you're looking for. Um, and then I think you're just asking questions. You know, I think like, like, how long is this going to take? And um, and all the other questions about oh, what can I expect? You know, what's your favorite way to communicate? You know, I, for example, love email. Some people are big meeting people. Some people are big phone people. I'm going to add on and, and say that I, I think it, it depends on what you're looking for. Are you looking for a technician or an artist? So are you looking for someone to create something very fancy and artistic and uh, very passionate, maybe emotional, has a lot of their personal flavor? Or are you looking for someone to make a video about my company's brand? And there can be overlap, but what what happens is when you lean the more artistic and you guys can chime in but what i've seen is when you skew heavy on the artistic side you're going to have more emotion involved you're going to have um, a different flow involved in terms of delivering because those people are very creatively inspired in specific ways where they need a little bit more time a little bit more space a little bit better flow whereas um, some technicians you can go in, you have those expectations, you have the scope, you can outline goals and agenda, and you come back with a plan, and it's just kind of, uh, you work through that process. This is a little little different, so I've had that experience with, with uh, different creatives out there. Understanding the goal and then making sure that matches that type of person. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd also say uh, really early on is typically start with a cheap date, uh, coffee, and you meet a potential client and uh, if you're someone who's looking at a video guy, if you're a potential client, I mean, look, is the person a pain in the ass at the coffee place? <laughs> is he, is he uh, difficult to get information out of? Is the communication awkward or weird at all? It shouldn't feel at all that way. Yeah. It should feel helpful, that's a, seamless. That's good. I like that. Yeah. And if he's a, look at all those intangibles. He's an asshole to the coffee person. He's probably going <laughs> to be a jerk all the way down the road. <laughs> What did you see me having coffee? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'll, I'll open it up. Are there any uh, specific uh, questions on video that you guys have on top of your mind when you're thinking about, um, you know, how to utilize video and how to really grow your business? How to, um, uh, you know, what type of formats, what you know, places to distribute it, anything like that? Because I want to make sure that we get your questions answered. I have a ton of questions too, but. I want to make sure we give you guys the value that you're here for. Yeah, yeah I have a question. Is video require a huge promotion? If like, you have a certain direct response action for your business, do you need a huge amount of money behind it to gain reach? Or is there an organic way to generate awareness as well as engagement for your goal? That's a great question. Yeah, that's, that's challenging. So you have a, a video that has a call to action that you want to put out there and have people see and take action on it, correct? Right. Um, with the changes in algorithms, you're going to need to put a promotion behind it of some kind. Mm -hmm. uh, Facebook, Facebook is so, so underpriced in terms of, of ad spend and ad campaigns 
I recently put together a video for Web4 and uh, posted it natively to Facebook and I think spent $7 or $10 to get 600 views. And um, it depends on what your intention is. So if you're really wanting to use that as like a catalyst for driving leads, then you're probably going to need to have a pretty decent ad campaign behind that. Whereas uh, some of the stuff for brand messaging and brand awareness is more about consistency and sharing media, doing right. light touch campaigns where people see your video and engage with it, but it's not necessarily a sales pitch. Got it. Would it, would it also be like, I mean, obviously, in my mind, it'd be based on your current audience as well, because if you have, so it would kind of vary... Like, if you have a large audience, it's going to be a little easier to get in front of them, right? Yeah. If you don't I'm, have an audience, then... Right. Yeah, yeah, if you're starting from scratch, it's kind of a different story. But, you know, the, the nice thing about Facebook advertising and other forms of advertising is you can get in there and segment who you're targeting. So you could say chief marketing officers, CTOs, CEOs, or you could say um, operations manager, uh, marketing specialists and look for the lower points of entry, and then also target geographically specific area to start filtering out things. But then you can go a little bit deeper in terms of interest. So in other words, if you want to push or you, you are looking to attract specific audience, you can put in things like, oh, has an interest of women's rights and doesn't have an interest in this, this, this to keep paring that down. Uh, the more narrow you get, uh, the more difficult it's going to be to get engagement, uh, depending on the ad spend you have behind it. But in the cases that I've seen, that can sometimes drive more relevant viewership and activity and play out better for long-term brand goals. Makes sense. Do you guys have anything you want to add to that? Or? Yeah, I'm just, I think you, you mentioned it. It's having expectations for both the video maker and the one paying for the video, as long as their expectations are the same and that the expectations match the budget of both the video and of whatever you're going to spend, the ad spend you're going to put behind it after you make it and you hand it off, okay, then what are you going to do with it? So, and that's huge. I, I recommend not posting and praying, which is like just saying like, okay, I'm, we, we spent a bunch of money on a video. We got it. Now just put it on the internet. It's going to go viral. It's not going to go viral unless you pay for it. And, um, Grease the wheels. Yeah, yeah. It, it, certainly there, you, there will be a, a certain amount of organic traction and, and you know, sharing and stuff on the internet, but, but – um, but if you're a business and you're hiring another business to make a video, uh, just make sure, yeah, you, you got to spend. It, it, and it's not even sim simply about money. You're going to have to spend money. But like, even if you were just having, say, a um, your front desk lady or yourself as the one man or woman show, uh, spending a little bit of time each week you're spending some kind of resources and strategy on making sure that that video is, is seen and engaged with. You, you don't just throw it up there. I've had that done to my videos many a time, and I'm sure you have too. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I think you're right, though, about the algorithms as well. The, 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 it used to be um, for businesses and nonprofits, you could put something out there, and it would have kind of take off organically. I was sharing one of those with 
Ryan before uh, the meeting, but uh, it, they, YouTube, Google, whoever, f Facebook, they all know which ones are business-related videos. I've seen language in the posting effect videos to where it was hidden because it was mentioned that it was for, it was promoting Commercial, something. commercial intent. And yeah. zero views, because they know, and if you've ever paid for, if you've ever, if you've ever paid for a video once, they also know you're willing to pay for it. So if you've ever boosted once, but the idea of it just completely being organic, it might happen more in the personal space, but as far as for businesses, uh, it's not really happening. I'll give yeah. you, and I'll, I'll give you guys a, a hack that uh, is really helpful. Um, Facebook doesn't like to send people off of their website. So if we're talking a lot of different platforms, but Facebook specifically, they don't like to send people off of their platform. They want to keep people on their platform. They make more money that way. So video, uh, if you send someone off your website, you might be paying an average of maybe a dollar to a dollar thirty per click visit to your website. Uh, whereas video views, you can get video views for like four cents. I mean, we were four cents to eight cents range. And if you set that up correctly, you can get a ton of video views. And then what you do is you create another audience of people who viewed your video. Now you can get clicks because it's a remarketing audience to that current audience. Now you can get clicks for about 40 cents to your website because it's an audience you've already built it, viewed it, and you've already got a little more intent. So it's something you can do, a little hack. And another thing about that is uh, the video is more likely to get viewed on Facebook or be seen on Facebook if you're posting the video to Facebook rather than a YouTube link for the same reason. They don't want to send people out of their ecosystem, clicking out of their ecosystem and not coming back in. Yeah. And um, so I recommend to clients put it on social if it's short and fits, you know, if it's fitting or somebody to reformat it. But I don't mean fitting as far as the format, but on Instagram. Uh, and Facebook on social. So on YouTube, which is a hosting platform, it's sometimes considered social, but that can drive up your SEO and you know more about why, how and why it does that. And then on their website, if it's some kind of a, you know, a quality of video that you want to have posted there. So. Can I ask a No, no questions question? from the guys. Come on. <laughs> uh, how many people here are generating video right now? Is there anybody generating video right now? Yep. Yeah. How are you uh, generating video? How am I generating? I'm a video producer. Okay. Awesome. Um, so the the a lot of times the barriers for entry is having the ability or the equipment or resources and whatnot. Uh, many many of the current smartphones have great cameras. A great way to just start. And the biggest thing that I see with video is so many people not starting because yeah. they're looking for ultimate artistic perfection out of the gate. When, as a brand that's building up messaging and content, you need to start somewhere. And when you start scaling and get to a point that after you've generated some of your own content, that's when it makes sense to pull in other people and, and to help you produce higher and higher uh, levels of content. One of the note with uh, Facebook and sort of the algorithms and all that stuff, there's, there's a lot of frustration about it and how much it's changed, how much you can't or, or not seen as often as you were as a business. The, the thing to keep in mind is that it's free. YouTube is free. Facebook is free. Uh, these distribution channels didn't exist you know, 10 years ago. And when they did, they were very like 
not really used as often. They're just starting to scale. Uh, we, we now have a level of distribution power that has never been seen before. And this is a great time to, to get into video and scale and try things and test things and run around with your cell phone and make. Uh, I just heard something the other day in terms of generating video for your business. Uh, one guy I heard is, is running around doing Snapchat videos, downloading them to his phone at the end of the day, putting them all together and telling a story with them. And instead of thinking about, I need to stop and, and now set a scene and do this you know, uh, hour piece, just thinking about it in different creative ways. Because there's, there's a time and place for run and gun, which is what I'm more familiar with. And there's a time and place for uh, the super high quality studio pieces. And I've seen a lot of your guys' work fall into that, that category. Definitely high quality stuff. And the phone thing also can actually work in your favor in a way that um, authenticity is like at the highest yep. level of what people are looking for. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes if it's too much polish, it's off-putting to them, especially for younger people. So um, I'm also, I don't think we have anyone here in the category, but I was talking to Ryan earlier. I'm surprised that a number of businesses that have these natural places where they should be using phone videos, for instance, all the brew pubs in town, when they're having live music, I, I would be doing a video where I'm, you know, Sarah and Caleb are setting up behind me and doing sound check. Come on down, you know, yeah. for the evening. Those people absolutely should be doing their own video. I even tell people how they can do better video if they want, you know. Face the light. Don't put a bright light behind yeah. you so people can see you. <laughs> Maybe put something interesting behind you if you can arrange all those things. Make sure the audio isn't terrible in the shake. If it's not annoyingly bad where people won't stick with it, video, doing your own video is great. Yeah. I, I just want to add to that because um, uh, one of the things I started to do recently, I do a lot of presentations and speak at these conferences, but I used to do it where it's like, oh, then I try to videotape the whole thing and, and kind of send it out there, but what I've done lately is just take little snippets. And so I do like a five, ten minute snippet of that presentation just and then put that out and then another one. So you can create all these different pieces of content from that work you put in and then you can transcribe it and each one of those can be a blog post, right? Like, and then you can put it out there, you can use social posting from it and all that too. So I, I think that works well for smaller businesses that are you know, that are trying to get things out there. It's like you need to squeeze everything you can out of what you got and so many people just put all this work into something and then they don't they don't like get all the juice out of it. Yeah, yeah. That's a secret to stretching your budget if you're paying for video too is yes. have half a dozen videos, short videos shot at the same time, have a plan to be able to do that, and have the cutter can cut, the editor can cut that all uh, a yeah. lot quicker and save you money. So you, uh, I bill in full days and half days, so if they do a half day capture and can fit in several videos, the more you can fit in there, the better I encourage you to do it. Yeah. I'll work with you to figure out how we're going to do it, and then um, just, it's way more efficient than having to come back over and over for stuff. I had a question, and to interrupt me at any time because I want you guys to get your questions answered, but is there certain types of, of content that you feel perform better in video? Um, and it, this is a very broad question, and it's kind of purposeful because there's, um, there's so many different things, right? So I know it's a broad question, but I want to hear some of the diversity in your guys' answers. So any type of content that you feel performs better, and I know that's going to vary depending on the type of business as well. but. Um, I would say sort of the, the classic beginning, middle, end storytelling quickly. Um, there's 
I think you guys would agree, uh, especially some of the videos that we were talking about beforehand, uh, creating an emotional response is your ultimate objective. Maybe it's not always your objective, but when you can connect better to the content emotionally, that brings you in to what's being described. That can be a little more challenging if you have, um, you know, a Jane lawyer down the street wants a video about her practice. It's, it's going to be a little different, but if you can get them to open up and inject personality and more of just who they are as an individual into the piece, that's gonna. That's really gonna connect. I think. Thoughts. I'm trying to think about. This is a, this question is for the the marketing experts. I think. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I often. I mean, for context, I'm in the place where, uh, like, I make the video, and then I hand the video off to whether it's a, a brand or a company and their internal marketing team does something with it or um, or it's an agency, an ad agency, and they're, they're going to take it and do something with it. So I often, I often don't see um, like well, did, where, where it went. Some, you did some video for one of our clients, Discover Org. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and that, that performed really well, and it had, it was both sale, kind of had sales aspects to it, but it also had a lot of humor. Yeah, yeah. To it, so it's mm -hmm. like so. That, that's kind of what I'm saying is like. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like there's different there. There's different types, and I, I heard something recently that I, I want to like I want to put up on the wall here is that we're not selling things, we're not selling services or products, we're selling emotions, we're selling a feeling, mm -hmm. we're selling an identity. Like that's what when someone's watching your video, yeah. it's not about selling this thing. It's about right. how I will feel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What is what is my identity, and how's that matched to that? Like that's that to yeah. me is the is the ultimate power of video. Is it's so much. It's you can connect emotionally at a higher level. Like, yeah. And yeah. so I think it's it's great for that. And I think yeah. with some of those videos and your <laughs> you want to share the other video? <laughs> no, I'll let you no, share it. No, 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 it's no, your no, favorite no. video. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it said, and if it's a, a product or service, and most people who are in business have one of those things, um, that it, you're not really selling a product or service. Yeah. All marketing is actually selling the people you're presenting it to a better version of themselves. Oh, that's, that's very a, good, yeah. You know, you're smarter for buying this product or using this service, you smell better for wearing this cologne, you're more relaxed because you enjoyed this beer. And it's it's all experiential. It's all a lot of it, uh, as you shared, talks about emotion. Like in mm -hmm. emotion, some of that emotion is satisfactory. And feeling smarter about yourself is a feeling. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, sometimes we don't have time to develop that because we're doing a lot of web stuff nowadays. Yeah. You know, develop that kind of a it, thing. It but fills it fills a psychological need for that, right? Like that's, it, it yeah. does. So. It, and then it, I wouldn't say there's a certain type of content that does, but I think it's so different depending on what the product or service is, what the goal is, what the tone of the situation yeah. is. Um, so it just no no more crappy video though. Okay. No, I, I, no, I think that that's what all all of us. There's something com commonality between all of us. We all produce yeah. really good video. Yeah. Um, I think the quality of video across the board's gotten better. Yeah. Um, but there, you know, when I, I got concerned at one point when I saw all these people doing videos during the first digital revolution, like, oh, 
these people are doing video, should I be concerned? But then I determined uh, a little bit of a story, but you know, back in the days of the master painters, paints were so expensive they had to have patrons, you know, cadmium and lead and all of these things that went into paint. These poor painters couldn't afford you. They had to have patrons like the Medici's uh, to support them in whatever they're doing. And uh, nowadays, paint is cheap. You know, you can go to a paint store and get paint and paint all you want, but there, there is not a higher percentage of, of good painters as there was 500 years ago. And the same is true, I think, with storytelling digitally. There's not a higher percentage of good people. I think the, the bar is raising uh, in a lot of ways technically, but uh, look for people and help you tell your story. And that's my next question on storytelling, but go ahead. Dennis. Yeah, um, I uh, get a little emo when when I'm talking with friends and they're they're saying that's this this uh, this this movie's terrible or that commercial was dumb or this is stupid because it, we we are quick to judge without understanding why or for what reason this content was generated to begin with. If we, if we go all the way back to the silent film era, this was just about entertainment and laughs and enjoyment, escapism, and having an experience. Now we have, you know, IMDb or whatever it is, scores. We have Rotten Tomato scores that start to dictate whether or not we see films that also then dictates whether or not something is good or not. And the bottom line is commercials, video, and everything like that. For me, it's all about entertainment. And I'll have someone ask me, why'd you watch that crappy movie? Or why'd you go spend 16 bucks to go see, you know, uh, Marvel movie number 21? Yeah, I meant um, but but it's 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 all entertainment. It's it's enter it's not we we're all gonna have unique perspectives. You have a few videos where uh some someone might look at that and go like, Yeah, I don't wow, I wouldn't do something like that for my brand. Yeah. But yeah. but that's it's just for entertainment, it's to enter entertain people and get them engaged with the content and the brand and all that. And the storytelling tradition goes back even further than that to when cave people are around the fires telling each other yep. uh, other things. And story, the reason story is a great uh, tool for marketing and just about anything else is that it resonates. It's universal. The idea of story is universal. Even for people who think they aren't storytellers, um, it's the way we uh, make sense of a chaotic world is we tell stories about things. And if we see something that happens out in front of us, uh, uh, a woman crossing the street in a car wreck and something else, we tell ourselves a story about what happened there. It's, it's why gossip is popular. We see things and we fill in the rest. Um, it's a universal need for people to attempt to you know, organize their chaotic world. And I think in some ways it's probably all the people who enjoy doing it for a living. It's a way of doing that some way you know, subliminally down there. Um, and then sometimes, like we're reformed control freaks or semi-reformed. <laughs> semi-reformed. <laughs> I wanted to just check and see if there was any questions because we're obviously flying. We got a lot of stuff to cover, but any questions specifically technical or marketing questions around video that you guys want to touch on? Who wants to talk about Codex? <laughs> codex. Uh. <laughs> wait a room. <laughs> Do you have to, when you're talking with your 
clients, guide them through the process that, okay, this is going to end up on a responsive design website, maybe on smartphones, it's going to be a very small image, so the beautiful sunset in the background of the two people going off isn't going to read very well. Do you yeah. ever have to counsel people that are used to thinking in the terms of a bigger screen or a bigger presentation that what they should really be thinking about is perhaps a smaller screen and more direct message? Yeah. Great question. Yeah. Um, so one of the one of the clients that we have is an agency, a, a video agency, that is kind of the go between between the video maker, that's us, and the the brand. And um, they almost with every request that they bring to us, they ask for a nine sixteen aspect ratio. You know, in other words, the 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 video is not supposed to look like that but it's supposed to look like that so say for like tomorrow we're going to be shooting a stop motion video and they want us to uh, create a a 16-9 aspect ratio which is your rectangle this is the video where our, t our TV looks like that and they want us to make a square one so we all know what a square is I won't make a square <laughs> do you guys let's start with squares and shapes <laughs> You guys know what triangles are? Okay. And, um, and then they want a 916 and um, comes with its challenges. Uh, but but it, so I, I heard it alluded to earlier, like it, it's tempting to want to say like, well, no, I, I, that's not what filmmaking is or, and all that stuff. But to me, it's um, by the nature of it, of what I do being a, it's a business and also um, film uh, 16.9 was not the first aspect ratio uh, the aspect ratio history is has gone on the shape has changed many times mm -hmm. but um, so so tomorrow for example we have we're shooting a tabletop thing where the camera's overhead and it's stop motion so there'll be some uh, items on a desk and they'll be dancing around and doing various things we have to um, basically, instead of thinking of the composition as as one one composition, we have to think in three compositions at once. Because when I get to the editing room, I will have to send three separate deliverables: one cut that's square, one sixty-nine, one eighth. So, um, I mean, I, I think your original question was about like setting a client an expectation with a client, um, but. But, um, I mean, I think I'm ready to adapt to whatever is, is needed, you know, like where, wherever the eyeballs are, wherever the screens are, and however people want to experience their media, media isn't necessarily up to me totally. I mean, I can certainly have an influence on it in the position I'm in, but I'm here to, like, if people want to hold their phone like this and watch video content, then, and, like, and, like, there's people out there who are like, I'm not going to. Great, you go. You go. I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go make movies in a new way. But I'm. I'm I get to do that for a little. It's pretty fun. Um, start going let me know if I didn't really answer your question. I kind of yeah, meandered a little. Triangle bit. video. Yeah, yeah I think. Um, I think in a marketing setting, video marketing setting, a lot of actually a lot of different ways. You have to stay ahead. You have to you holding on to old methods or current methods for too long will leave you behind. And so adapting and being flexible and being able to produce 
content in different formats is the way to go. But it, for me, from a marketing standpoint, I think about it in terms of, well, who's your target? What platform are you generating this video for? Mm-hmm. And I think businesses need to get to that level, which is who is this for and on what platform? Yeah. Because your Facebook yeah. followers might be different than your Instagram followers, mm-hmm. and then you craft your content around that. And yeah, you might you could you know uh, use it across different channels, but really know who your target is and then generate for that format. I mean, how many of us walk down the street, you know, holding our phone like this as we're going, you know, through the crosswalk, you know? But one out of, you know, 15 or whatever, uh, whereas most of us are doing this down the street or at the coffee shop or whatever, and yeah, we turn it sideways if we really got to take the millisecond to do it. But otherwise, we like to stay in this comfortable position because we can access all the controls and all that. So I know that... um, the vertical format for uh, social media is producing higher engagement overall because that that's that's what we do. We sit in the coffee shop and we do this. We don't sit in the coffee shop all the time and go like this. It's just it's not the yeah. Know. And and to like to get maybe to the heart of what you're asking, it's like one of the biggest changes with mobile for me is is the length of time, you know, of, of the video. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, say, it, so a lot of the stuff I'm making for commercial purposes is 15 seconds. That's all very common length. Um, 30 seconds. Um, sometimes it's even six seconds. Like there was a, an ad that was going to show up in, Sna- in the Snapchat ad on someone's phone and so it had to be a 916 aspect ratio, the vertical video. And uh, it was six, six seconds long. So, so, so the length is one of the things that, that changes. And, but yeah, you, you got to the heart of it. It's like, where is it going? Who are you trying to reach? What platform is it going to end up on? What's your strategy? With this? I, always, I ask that question like very early on in consultation because I wanna, I'm not going to be like, all right, Okay, so we're gonna start out on a dolly shot. It was like, okay, well, the, but wh- where's it going? Like, who, who, who's gonna watch it? Where are they gonna watch it? Because sometimes I'll ask the question, like, they'll be like, oh, it's gonna play. It's gonna be at an event at a yeah. nonprofit charity fundraiser. It's gonna be played in front of a live audience, right? Like, so then I'm like, oh, because I want it the whole time I'm making it, and when I'm writing it, when I'm shooting it, when I'm editing it, I want to be thinking about. I want to imagine I'm that viewer in that in that charity event or or imagine I'm that guy walking down the street you know hopefully it looked both ways before he crossed but yeah yeah so context huge yeah yeah I think there's there's some additional tailoring that could happen too if you I mean if you got really technical and detailed with it if you knew it's going to be on a giant screen up front of a huge audience there's certain things you're probably going to do to that video to really perform well in that uh, format. Whereas maybe if you know this video is something for Instagram that's going to be heard over headphones or maybe uh, not heard on info- headphones, you might tweak audio levels, not include certain sound effects, boost those up depending on what the format is. That yeah. way people can hear and get the information. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned six second videos. Is that like for? I mean, I heard there's something called like a, a pre-roll video. Yeah. Those things that come on before the video you actually want to watch. Yeah. So <laughs> if it's, oftentimes <laughs> it's, that's a hack for like if you're, uh, if you're playing your video b- before a YouTube video, say, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and the like skip ad in six seconds or in five seconds or something, mm-hmm. and then the video's just over. And in fact, some like I think Geico has even done some jokes where they're like, "Hey, fifteen percent on car insurance, man, it's over. Don't even worry about it." You know, like, and they even <laughs> just make fun of the fact that like, but um, but yeah, it's like it's um, they're they're basically just saying like. The person has seen the ad before they've thought about whether they want to look away or not. Like, it's kind of... When they uh, figured yeah. out, it's not the one they were there for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know what it costs or what the length requirements are or where do you where you go to do one of those? I don't. The You mean the as far as... The pre-roll, the actual short little video. Oh, what it costs to, like, put it on pre-roll? There's tons of different platforms uh-huh. for pre-roll. There's You can do it directly through YouTube. Uh, you can use other platforms. And you can use it even for, like... You can show video, uh, you can target ads only during certain weather cycles. If it's snowing in one area, you can say, I want ads to show uh, for my, you know, parka or, you know, whatever, you know, snow shovels only when it's snowing over here or when it's super hot, I want this, you know, um, you know, sunscreen lotion or one of the people we talked to, um, the client, they developed this new um, wearable that's kind of a skin thing that tells uh, sun, um, you know, how much sun you've gotten and all that kind of stuff. And so... They want to, and so we said, "Hey, you should target only these areas, and only when it's really hot uh, during these times." And this is how you can do it. And you can use pre-roll to do that. So YouTube, that not the uh, weather targeting. You can do that. It takes some scripts. But there's another service called. Um, you could literally Google it. I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but you can use that platform. There's two. I'll I'll, I'll let you know afterwards. But there's there's actually two platforms. One is like. T- like weather targeting ads or something like that, and they, it integrates with uh, whatever platform you're using. So runs a script basically based on the weather. I heard different numbers too, but they say people decide usually within a second and a half whether they're going to continue watching a video once it started. So that's a challenge. Uh, probably not the nonprofit video if you're at a hotel. You got them locked in the room. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking like sometimes I've got music fading in. You might hear one line from a voice, and, like, and that's the first three, three to five seconds of the video. And literally, no one would still be with you online. They're mm-hmm. just all, no one's staying for that. Yeah, unless there's some reason. If they've gone to a website, you kind of have more of a an audience who's seeking after something. But if video's out there finding them or it's on social, you don't have time to develop things like that. So like. Informational, if it's informational, educational, or if it's entertaining, or if it's like, again, it goes back to purpose. Like, what are we going to use this for? Is it going to be something that's out there that's more educational? People will actually watch the five to ten minute videos because you're providing so much value, or is it, you know, so. Yeah. And is it compelling too? Is it compelling? Uh, yeah. A, a Vimeo a few years ago I had, I don't know if you've seen this, but it's uh, like an attache case, uh, was one of their editors' picks of the month from Vimeo. And it's just selling an attaché case, but it was so beautifully shot. The music was so beautiful. It was so well scripted that I watched it several times. <laughs> like I literally watched it several times. It was like so well done. And you know, I think it was like six or seven minutes long. Like yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> so uh, if it's compelling. Uh, you might get people. I was just enjoying. I was probably geeking out a little bit on the beautiful shots yeah. and all the rest. But, um, but if if what you have is compelling, it can go longer than you know. If it's a compelling story or whatever, mm-hmm. you can go longer than you can on some things. But it's also hard. And it's also hard to know what's going to be compelling to who as far as your audience is. is so I want to I want to dovetail off of because we talked a lot about story, and we want to know what are your secrets. What are your 
what are your secrets to telling a good story or what are the like components that you feel are like important when you're telling a good story that you know engage the audience and like walk them through that and you know I think one thing is uh, sometimes try to upset the expectation. Like if oh, people yeah? are expecting a certain thing in a nonprofit setting yeah. or pitching a product. How can you turn that on its head? Do something that people aren't expecting. Sometimes I'll uh, uh, open a video with a line of dialogue that it's kind of compelling. You want to know what they're talking about, so you have to stay to listen to more. We talked about the Oreo race thing. Is like. Uh, has any of you have any of you seen the Oreo crawling across? Well, some of you work here, so but the Oreo crawling across the face. Uh, we did a, so we did a um, minute to win a challenge here of one of our little things, and one of them was you had to move an Oreo from your forehead down your face. You know, like, just using your face muscles to get into your mouth. Okay. And so we had a video of of that. We were like, oh, that'd be great to open the video with because people just be like the heck is he doing with his face all contorted? And you're like seeing him move an Oreo down his face. So that, I think that's a good example. Pulling the rug out from under people's feet and yeah. changing the expectations. Yeah. There's a couple things I could think to of. To grab their attention. And, and so now you now you got him in. Like, what's the... I don't know if there's like... For me, I think story... I've always felt story is, is one of the most powerful things because if I tell you, hey... We're a great company, and we can help you grow your business. Oh, that's really cool. But if I actually tell you a story about one of our clients that they were at their lowest enrollment ever, we started working with them, they were working full-time, and now you know, they're, they've hired five people, they're living their dreams, and you know, they're able to work less. And I actually explain, like, yeah, this is something that I tell you the story of it. Now, it's, it, you're, you're, you're actually seeing it in your head. Right, you're seeing it as opposed to me telling you, and you being like, "Yeah, whatever." Right? It's like, no, you're actually. It, yeah. It's it, it, it to me, it's so powerful because it's them telling themselves. I think. Right, like when they're watching the story, it's it's them perceiving it and then telling themselves as opposed to you telling them. Yes. So much of the experience is what you see and the sounds that you hear. Um, I. I'm consistently blown away when I go see a new film, uh, a Bayham film, or one of the Marvel films, and understanding how much goes into sound mixing and creating the sounds. The fact that there's a guy in a studio or a gal in a studio hitting tin cans on a wall to get a certain sound effect that's only, you know, one tenth of the whole sound. And so I, the the use of, of sound or lack thereof can really help drive a story. I've seen that in some of your pieces and where there's pauses and then there's birds chirping and whatnot and a hiking setting to create the scene, the feeling, the atmosphere. Because you want to ultimately to bring people into the story, at least from my approach and uh, creating some of the things that I've created, it's about bringing people in to the environment and being able to escape. So that's yeah. Um, I'll say a couple quick things. I I think I'm always asking myself, no matter what company comes to me, because you someone mentioned a joke company earlier about uh, I don't know, just like because it's just random. Like someone would be like, I'm trying to sell these, and you're wanting <laughs> to make a video about it. 
And I might look at this and say, like, I don't really want that. I mean, it's it's nice, Kevin. It is nice. Or super, I don't know super high quality. Up. But, like, yeah. what I'm saying is, like, I, I don't sit around and think of, like, this is going to be an interesting story if I tell a story about this. But I, I just say, like, what, what would be interesting to me about this? And what could I, how can I tell a story that I would want to watch? That's, of course, you've probably heard that before. But at, at, at the heart of what a story is, it's about, a, it's about someone who wants something, and a bunch of stuff gets in their way. Something gets in their way. A, a, someone who wants something, and stuff gets in their way. So like Toy Story, yes. you know, uh, Woody uh, wants to, you know, be the king of his castle, and and for Andy to, for to be Andy's favorite. And some an inciting incident comes in. His name's Buzz Lightyear, <laughs> and it turns his whole world upside down. And he spends the rest of his move, the, the the movie, trying to like get this thing. The conflict comes when he's uh, trying to get this thing, Buzz Lightyear, out of his way. And then uh, at the end of the movie, he either gets what he wants or something else. Uh, and, in, and in this case, um, wh- what he wanted and what he needed were two different things. And those I think are a particularly interesting kind of story. But but again, if like if I. But at the core of it, if you just think like a story is of someone who wants something and stuff gets in their way, and if you can somehow get that into the narrative of, of the video, I think I think it's gonna be more interesting. Well, that's even the uh, if you watch those late night infomercials for mops, that's the whole thing how they do mm-hmm. that there. It's like, oh, this terrible mop. They want yeah, the yeah. floor clean, but the mop falls apart on them, yeah. and then they have the answer, which is the mop. Yeah. This is a miracle. Yeah, they're mop. like tired of those and mops, and she's like. Yeah, she looks at the camera. <laughs> it's in black and white, like. Mm. <laughs> but it actually is. Yeah. It actually is. And the antagonist, the antagonist in that situation, is their old crummy mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So not only that, but wait, there's more. There is. But wait, there's more. <laughs> what about hardship? What'd you say? Hardship. Hardship. Yeah. What like else? in storytelling. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like. Overcoming the obstacle, right? right. Yeah, it's that yeah. inspirational it's kind of. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, uh, so that could be like you keep coming in and you keep killing plants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they all die. Do you, do you mean just like like <laughs> like uh? Can you kill all the plants? Sunlight. <laughs> Sunlight. Uh, what is the movie with Will Smith where he's trying to? He's trying to sell this device. Oh, it's um, happiness. Oh, uh, pursuit of happiness. It's great. Right. Is it, that's, uh, that's or or Castaway. He's going to say something very difficult. And <laughs> yeah, Shar- Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Oh. Queen of Cotswold. What's that? I, I guess not. Not like um, like bringing you to tears and, and you know, yeah. causing you to like you know fall on the ground and just cry. Yeah. I mean, um, like uh, you know somebody's personal story, how they overcame, for sure. You know something mm-hmm. that was difficult in their life, and uh, say a client or whatever your client, mm-hmm. you know, help them turn things uh, that we want to sell wingdings and widgets and dingle, and we just want to make a lot of money. Like, that's a boring story, but some, yeah, I mean, like, it, with, with what you're describing, 
it's very the story's already there. Right. You just gotta like dig it up and, and figure out how to put it into it. That's a Video. that's one that comes up in the nonprofit sector a lot. Um, I've done a couple of different clinics in the area that are nonprofits and uh, Haug Foundation, a local school, and they had a homeless uh, person who was with a, like four or five kids and she was kept from being, they were living in their car actually for a while before they were helped and they overcame that and um, in those situations, especially when you're producing a video that's leading up to an ask at a fundraiser, yeah. right. it's oh. extremely important to uh, just go ahead and use the words play on people's emotions to, to, to draw out the emotion from the story. The story should be authentic. It shouldn't be, you shouldn't, you should treat the, the person who's in there with respect and dignity. Um, it should be authentic. But uh, when, when the people, including people who are running big, uh, big businesses in town, come to the uh, ask point in the evening, um, it's the it's that emotion right. and comes back to emotion oh, gosh, again yeah. that gets them to open up their wallets. And at that point, they're not making. They might have had an idea about what, what they were going to give, but at that point, they're not making a dollars and cents decision. They're making an emotional one. Right. So that's well, hugely important. All, I mean, aren't all our decisions emotional? I mean, I think so. I, I think so too. Yeah. I mean, whether they you think they're logical or not, like even the C, the CPAs with. That have that you know. Look at all the facts. They're only doing that to satisfy the emotional need of that. I'm someone who looks at all the facts, and now I feel emotionally fulfilled that I've done what I feel is important to do, and now I'm ready to make that decision. Mm -hmm. What I've what I've experienced with this type of subject matter is get ready to to share the truth and get ready to ensure that those individuals on the end of sharing that truth have. Um, the the confidence and what you're going to do with that truth, and presenting that truth in a way that's um, that's going to represent their story the best. I that's that's a barrier I myself have been trying to break through with some content that I've been producing on um, some really personal stuff on my podcast. Not to plug, but also several years ago I. I put something together about me called, um, gosh, I don't even remember now, True Story of Heart, I think. Um, it's on my YouTube channel. But that's, that's where I'm sharing my truth in battles of um, extreme weight loss, followed by weight gain, followed by weight loss, and committing to that. And a big part of putting that together helped me understand the importance of being brave enough to share your truth and getting that it produced in a way that, that tells the story in the right way. And I think that makes you more empathetic as a filmmaker with other people as well. Because in those situations where you are dealing with people's stories, real stories, stories of hardship or struggle or challenge, it's a trust. It's a trust situation mm -hmm. with them that you are going to be respectful, treat them with dignity, be respectful of them. And usually they'll engage because they, uh, we typically share with them you're going to be helping people hugely by yes. sharing this, and they do. Not only, not only are people who who happen to write checks, which is great. There's also people who hear this story who are in the same situation or who are encouraged by that. So. Yeah, it's huge. I have tons of other questions, but you guys have anything?
that's what I'm thinking. Uh, David or Randy, can you check to see if there's any questions on Facebook Live? I don't know exactly how you would do that. But uh, Facebook Live, anybody got questions, now's the time to write them up if it's still alive. That's why this guy, yeah, it might have turned off by now. I'm not sure how long. Matt says hello. Hey, Matt. What up, Matt? What's up, Matt? Whoever Matt is. All right. Hello, Matt. Is it our Matt? Yeah. Oh. Uh, working for a company that I do that there's a lot of emotion in building a home. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I work for a custom home builder. And and I see our video needs is kind of twofold. One is, you know, the videos that I do on my phone are like either time lapse showing construction going on or or just um, still photos or just, you know, photo video of the process. But what I'd like to see on a more polished level is the storytelling, which is we, you know, this customer had a problem, we solved it for them, here's their testimonial. And it would be so much more powerful to get that in person because I've seen other builders that have it on their website. They're walking through their finished home, they're like, oh, this is so great, like a reveal on one of those, you know, makeover shows. Um, but how would you do that without coming across as, you know, these are people that we paid to act like they really like their house or you know to be authentic yeah. to be um to have to have it show that this is a testimonial that these people were so adamant about providing for us that they were willing to do it in video form and i don't know that it's even come up before or have one with the builder talk about the company so their idea we have tons of ideas floating around and no one's actually gone after doing them to to either put them on the website or show drone footage of a subdivision or whatever it is. I know, it's like I know, how do you break I know two people that can help me out with that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you got this one. Oh, so, well, so for the interview portion, you can always put a text overlay unsolicited or uncompensated testimonial. Sure, yeah. But uh, one thing that's hugely important with interviews, especially with people who aren't used to appearing ahead of time, right. is don't. Uh, just tell them in general what you're going to be talking about. They'll know. You don't feed them questions at a time. They'll they'll yes, rehearse the agreed. answers to the point where they're dry yeah. and don't feel authentic Amen. anymore. Thank and you. if you just tell them generally what you're yeah. going to talk about and sit there, what I typically do is sit next to the camera and you want usually the eye line is coming coming to the uh, to the right of the camera. Sit right up next to the lens and you add, and just have a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. um, that's the way to start that part. And it feels authentic. It doesn't feel, it won't feel like it's forced. And I would actually do the same thing with the builder if you can. Um, because a lot of times they know their st stuff better than we know our mm -hmm. stuff. They're, you know, building houses and stuff. And, uh, but do the same thing. Just interview view them kind of off the cuff. You have questions for them. And listen to people's responses and go with where they're going with the responses. That's another mistake of interviewers is just having a list of questions and not keying in on the things that they're telling you that are interesting and that might uh, you might want to draw more out of. Um, make them feel completely at ease by telling them there are no wrong answers and if they need to do it six or 60 times, usually that makes it so they can do it on the t second time if you completely take the pressure off them. Just ignore the camera. I don't care how many, if we have to do it again, if you want to stop and start, and they almost never do. Um, but they think it's going to be a big deal, and most interviews are, go way easier than they think. Um, 
uh, it's the people who are over-rehearsed. The only people who get better knowing what the stuff is are doing it more and more are people who do it regularly. So. My, my worst interviews have ever been, I, I hate, I was on live TV and they're like, here's your talking points and I'm like, crap. They're like, I have to cover all these talking points and I hated it, but when I just went up there and freestyled, it's so easy just to talk about yeah. it. You know, I already know, don't give me, <laughs> don't tell me what to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and it's the same thing with people, even people who do public speaking. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to you about uh, it's bad for me to say it because it maybe it was almost 20 years ago, but I went through Dale Carnegie and they told you have, have uh, bullet points to hit. Don't over-rehearse a script exactly the way you want to say it because what happens is if you go off of it, you're going to be lost and yeah. get locked up. And so you don't want to do that to other people. Um, and make it, uh, I think, you know, I, I don't, I, I've only seen your uh, production ones involving things and not interviews with people, but I think the atmosphere on your set is always light and, and, mm -hmm. and uh, the crew's having fun. Um, it might not always be the right tone, but, but make the people feel really comfortable. Um, uh, just make sure they feel really comfortable. Yeah. And uh, one thing that I do a lot of times, let's say this is the camera, is the they're sitting there waiting for me and I'm doing this and I'm looking at lights and stuff and I have to tell them, oh, I, I'm not actually concerned, like you're not doing anything wrong, I'm looking at technical stuff, like a lot of times I'm the one, one and gun guy. Um, but, so I have to like tell them, oh, I'm, this has nothing to do with you, I'm trying to do technical stuff, do whatever you can to put them at ease or have all that set up so they don't have to be around when it's going on, they just got to sit down and have a conversation with you. Um, those are the helps I can give you on that. The, those things, then it's kind of a kitchen sink interview kind of a thing, and your real work is in post. Um, and then there's a good story in there somewhere. And a lot of times when I'm doing things like that, there will be one line that comes out where you go, that's either the opener or the closer. That's such a great line. So um, make a note of that. And is there like a sweet spot for, for length in terms of posting on social, maybe a little clip like you were talking about the presentations, you, you post the bits and pieces, um, or to post on a website, you know, like on your About Us on All video, never outstay, you're welcome. If anyone's right. watching any video and they start thinking about anything else, the kids are going to soccer tomorrow, I need to buy this, whatever else, you've lost them, and you can't, yeah. you're not going to get them back. Um, so it should be relatively concise, short. This make You mentioned about your presentations. Make short clips. Yep. Find the littlest little sound bites you can make out of a um, out of the clips in, to make a really short one that tells the point. Um, someone mentioned a really short commercial, but I've seen one for some dog dog food or something, and they said with the pre previous dog food, our dog was running out of energy, and we fed him such and such, and the dog's bouncing up and down, and the commercial's over. Like, <laughs> that was the whole commercial and stuff, but, and it got the point across. Um, uh, practically speaking for you, you know, if your if you're B-roll interview or testimonial style video that you're talking about. If it is living somewhere like an about page where someone came and their, their tr path there was like, I want to be here, I want to find a, out about it. Maybe that one could be like a minute to two minutes about, you know? And then if you were, say, doing some social content, you, you could take um, just maybe like one of those sound bites he was mentioning, uh, and maybe it's, 10 seconds long, or somewhere in that range, you know, 5 to 15 seconds long, and it's something that you just put up on Facebook, and, and the, I mean, it's one of those things that doesn't have a magical answer, but, I mean, just roughly speaking, those might be some good guidelines.
And if it's something compelling, you do a click here to see more of their story and link to that or something. Yeah. And as an addition to this, from a marketing standpoint, video is the holy grail of all content because uh, if you are going and just snapping all kinds of clips, you uh, get three interviews. Me going through that content is just an enormous opportunity to create just probably dozens and dozens of pieces of content, especially if you're doing 24-second clips, 30-second clips, one-minute, two-minute stories. And um, in terms of you know what's the best length, I would say you, you have to test. Mm -hmm. You have to try short form, long form, because long form does work on YouTube when it's done uh, right. There's mm -hmm. right. different different ways, but it, I also don't think it's one size fits all. It depends on your brand and what you're you're after. Where they're at in the sales funnel and what the antenna is. And and, I want to. Oh, sorry. Well, I uh, just so I don't forget. In terms of interviewing people, you said that was a con like trying to get them on camera and whatnot, interviewing them. Um, I would think about that in terms of process. Like you, you have a home building process and you schedule an exit interview with them or a, a how do we do interview with them. And you let them know, hey, we'd love to use this in part of our uh, video communications online. Would that be, would that be okay? I mean, and if you interview the approach. person right after they got the house, too, like they're going to be so excited exactly. about it. Like, they haven't got their bill yet. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Before the bill. Podcast listeners, thanks for tuning in. Get more from the Crafting Creatives community by visiting craftingcreatives.com. Join the hidden Facebook group. Okay, there's going to be a link on the site for that. And check out all the locations where you can find this podcast. Thanks all. Peace.